Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. Great to see you all here on this Sunday morning in New York City. Yes, thank you. So we're going to do something a little differently this morning. We're going to uh, have Mondo, which is a conversation between myself and the folks sitting on their cushions here, all of you guys. Um, partly because it's something that I like to do a lot. Uh, because I'm much more into the relational, and um, not always so. Depends how prepared I am um, on the morning of, which for some people is very uh, disturbing. They feel that the teacher or the person sitting on this cushion should be always prepared with their Dharma talk and uh, you know, have everything laid out from A to Z. Uh, that's not who I am. Sometimes I, my Dharma talk is prepared a couple of hours before we, we sit. And for some teachers, they need to prepare for a week, you know, get it all down and uh, deliver a beautiful form of talk. Uh, there have been one or two uh, folks who are not happy with the spontaneity of this teacher, and that's okay. I'm okay. I can live with that. Um, perfectly fine. In fact, the uh, the truth is, the reality is that uh, hundreds of years ago, when uh, Zen came to Japan, or in the Zen tradition, the teacher would not have notes in front of him. It was always an experiential experience. You know, the teacher would sit down and they would, people, you know, the folks would hurl questions and he would answer the best way that he could. And uh, he, she could. And uh, it was considered a lively, in the moment, Dharma talk. And that's how I like to see these talks as lively, in the moment, full of mistakes and full of, you know, I don't know the answer to that. You know, because who has it, who does have all the answers? For sure, not me. And again, that's okay. So anyone who is expecting a prepared speech and that's the way they need it to be, you could leave now. <laughs> and I'll also be okay with that. I'll understand that. Right? Okay. Now I've got all that out of the way. Um, so I'll just start by, uh, yesterday I think those of you who were working or uh, studying with Koshin on the Hidden Lamp, the stories of the Hidden Lamp, the women teachers from 2,500 years ago, in that collection of koan, there's a, there's a koan with Grindst Grindstone Lu and um, her teacher, who was Kuei Shan. 
So Iron Grindstone appears in many of the koans. Uh, she's kind of, kind of a character. You know, I can imagine just like this really tough old broad, you know, not, not taking any nonsense from anyone. And uh, Kweishan was her teacher. So this is part of the koan. Iron Grindstone Lu arrived at Kweishan. Kweishan said, Old cow, so you have come. The grindstone said, Tomorrow there's a great communal feast on Taishan. Are you going to go, teacher? Keishan relaxed his body and lay down. The grindstone immediately left. Right? So what's happening here? Any ideas? Should I read it again? Because this is a mondo, this is a two-way situation. Iron Grindstone Lu arrived at Kweishan. <coughs> Kweishan said, Oh cow, so you've come. So this is beautiful term of endearment. Remember this is his student. Yeah, yeah, oh cow. You know? Today probably wouldn't be seen as a term of endearment, but um, back then he was like, you know, they had this beautiful familiarity. If you, if you can kind of get into the koan, there's a sense of they really knew each other. They really respected each other. He was her teacher for a long time. And Grindstone, now remember, she's his student, and student are often testing their teacher, you know. What did, you know, where are they really, you know? And she says, tomorrow there's a great communal feast on Taishan. Are you going to go, teacher? So, so now we have this, we see that there's a respect there for her teacher. He's called her an old cow, and she comes back with teacher, you know. Kweishan relaxed his body and lay down. Grindstone left immediately. So there's the teaching. Tomorrow is a, this great feast. And he just lay down. Because there is no tomorrow. It's just this moment, right? There is no tomorrow. So he just totally relaxed into this moment. You know, I don't need to go to a great communal feast. I'm right here. The feast is right here. She's asking him about some, some, something in the future. She's testing him, and he just lays down. It's right here. And with that, she was able to leave. She just like, uh, okay, got it. Right? So in Zen, we talk about there is no tomorrow. There's no yesterday. There's just this moment by moment by moment by moment. Got it? Make sense? Okay, so that's the end of the Dharma talk. <laughs> Thank you all for your practice. <laughs> May your life go well. It ends when you lie down. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I could lay down right now.
And how do we relax into this moment? You know, yeah, I can lay down right now. Didn't sleep so well last night, been working, had one day off last week, the first time in 10 days or something. And so I'm feeling my body needs to How do we relax into whatever is happening? This morning, the, um, for the first few minutes, it was banging and clanging on that wall over there. And I tried to relax into it for a minute, and I was like, you know what? No. <laughs> it's not happening. So I went upstairs, and they're actually um, working construction. Uh, they're doing construction on the fifth floor. And this, uh, so, there was a guy there, a big, burly construction guy, and a couple of younger um, workers, you know, doing whatever they were doing on that wall, banging and drilling. And I said, you know, uh, I wonder would it be possible to just maybe move the work over to this side of the, of their way past over to that side of the, the room? And the guy says, well, I'm not in charge. My nephew's in charge, and he'll be here any minute. I was like, okay, I'll wait. And as it happened, his nephew was just getting off the elevator. And the sweetest guy. And I said, you know, um, we're meditating downstairs, you know, in self-practice every Sunday. And uh, I wonder, would it be possible to move your guys from there over to here? And he's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> So my usual default is to get, you know, what do you think I fucking mean? Just, <laughs> I'm asking you to just stop with your shit. <laughs> but being able to just, you know, and I said, well, what I mean is that, you know, every Sunday we have this meditation practice, and I love that you're working, you know, because I know what's happening. They're coming down from the 10th floor. And I said, you know, I love that you're going to be our new neighbors. But, you know, just for this morning. He said, well, what time do you finish? I said, 12. He's like, that's two hours. I'm like, yeah. And how would it be to just not work on this side of the room for two hours? And then we got into what are you doing? Although I knew what he was doing. He's like, so I said, that's great. And by the end of the conversation, he's like, you know what? That's okay. We can think of something else to do. You know, so it was kind of, that was that kind of relaxing into it, which is not my usual way of being. Those of you who know me know that. I explode first and then I relax. But today it's like, maybe because of this koan, it's like, I need to go upstairs with a nice, clean breath and just see what unfolds. And it's beautiful. The reflection for today's um, commit to sit is learning how to relax is a place of practice. How can you relax in the face of difficulty or just in your daily life? So it was very appropriate for me this morning to have this reflection. Uh, yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, yes. Well, Lisa.
Well, at least you got some respite, because when, <laughs> when, we're, when we're nodding off to sleep, we're not thinking about the future. We're just like, <laughs> we're not thinking about anything. We're just sleeping for a couple of minutes, right? Um, you know, we, it's our mind. It's what our mind does. You know, we, we leap into the future, or we bring up the past. And the beauty of this practice is how do we not get caught in some story, you know, the, or the, the practice is about coming back to the breath, coming back to the breath. Here I am in this moment, and the feelings of pride and concern, or whatever will arise, but how do we not go down that loop, just for 30 minutes of sitting? And then, you know, the rest of the day we can obsess, you know, as much as we want. <laughs> Why not, you know? It's part of our human condition, and, but I think with the, what this practice has given me is less, um, I'm going to dig a big hole for myself right now, but I'll go there anyway, is less uh, obsessing into the future or the past. And yet, here we are leaving for Kyoto on Sunday, and Koshin has made all these plans for this temple and that temple and this, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to do that because I'm tired already and I don't want to schlep and this and yada, 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 and I'm already resenting him for you know, setting all this up. And it's like, you know what, just chill. You know, just chill right now. You're not even at the airport yet, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a week away and I'm like ready to kill because, you know, I don't like surprises. And those of you who were here yesterday remember Koshin's like, oh, we're going to be visiting this temple. I'm like, what? I had no idea we were going to be visiting at this temple and staying overnight because I'm like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not doing that. But it kind of like, yeah. Digressed a little bit there, but that's where I was going. Yes, someone else. Robert, Robert. Yeah, what surprised me in the story was that the student was challenging the teacher. Uh -huh. I always feel challenged. I feel challenged by the teacher. And it was kind of a to turn it around that I challenged the teacher and then it came up. It's kind of a new thing. So it's, it's very. Um, Typical in, in, in Zen koans is oftentimes is the teacher, the, the student challenging the teacher, but it's not, it's not so much a challenge as a test, right? It's, it's testing the teacher's knowledge of their understanding of the Dharma. So when you get to, um, when the teacher-student relationship gets to a certain point, to that point of respect, you know, the, the student will the teacher and the teacher knows that the, the student is testing them and then the teacher in return will test the student you know so kind of like why did you ask that question or the teacher will give them may say just may say no 
which in itself is the answer. It gets them to think about it, because maybe yes is the answer. So it's not so much a challenge of like, no, that's wrong. It's like a challenge in the testing. So here, where she says there's a great communal gathering at the temple, at the mountain tomorrow, she's seeing if he really is in this moment. Can she catch him out? Can he, will he say, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, let me think about that. It's like, no. And he just says, I'm going to lay down and relax right here. This is, this, this is where it is in this moment. It's right here. This is where, if you like, this is where the gathering is in this moment. Yeah. Wow, we're alive. Yes, Sarah. Do you think she knows she's testing him until she hears the answer? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's, that was her whole uh, motive there. And it's, again, you know, these, they have a really nice relationship. You get the feeling that they have a nice relationship. They're. Uh, student-teacher relationship has been active, present, for a while, long time. Yeah. Nancy. I find myself very reactive of late, um, and there are circumstances which provoke that, but I don't like who I become when I react, and it's, most of it has been directed at my partner, because we're going through this stress together, and like So it sounds to me like you're not going this stress together. It sounds to me like you're not going through this stress together. You're going through the stress on your way, and he's doing it his way. You're reacting. Yes. You're like stuck in your, in your and position, he's stuck in his and he's stuck in his position. So that's not a togetherness, is it? No. It's, it's a simultaneous, but not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm being simultaneously, whatever adjective you like to use it, I'm being simultaneously um, oppositional here. I'm being simultaneously in my way of doing it. And, you know, however you want to do it is not my way. But what happens But whenever we say but, we negate the thing yeah, we're about okay, to say. Yeah. And... Well, that's your work. My problem. Right. Well, it's not a I want to relax into it. Yeah, right. It's not a problem. It's, it's not taking anything on. It's like noticing. Notice, oh, notice. look at what I'm doing here. Mm. And can I shift a little? Just, can I just like steer it that way a little bit? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It might. That's 24 hours. Right. <laughs> Great. And the next 25 hours will be like shit, maybe. <laughs> but this, this is the beauty, I think, about practice, you know? It's like so, sometimes we can really relax into it. 
and other times it's almost impossible because I'm so caught in my own way of it, how it should be. And, uh, extended sittings this morning. You know, I sit at home with children. Go ahead. And I have the perfect partner who says, well, you're having your feelings. <laughs> and my partner doesn't get into like this kind of fractious fighting. They say, okay, you can have your feelings. And when Chodo comes back into the room, as opposed to this other person that I become, when Chodo comes back into the room, we can talk about it, which annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's something I... Something I try to relax into. <laughs> because if I get reactive, which is my, as I said, default emotion, it goes nowhere. So we've worked this thing out. Okay, you're having your feelings. And it's not to say that he doesn't, you know, it's not all one way, but this is how this relationship works. All right. Rachel. Not always so, right? Um, actually, the way I'm feeling now will have some effect on how I will feel when I get to Kyoto. Because right now, I don't feel like I want to get on the plane for 14 hours. You know, right now, it's like, it, I'm, I'm feeling very ambivalent about the whole thing. It's like, I don't want to go, really. My mind tells me, but when I get there, I'll have a great time if that's true. So what I'm thinking now actually will affect the way I'm feeling when I get off the plane because they'll be like, you know, look at all that stuff I was thinking about. And here I am. So I will be th it will affect the way I um, continue on because it's like, well, look where I was stuck. You know, and look at how it actually is right now. So I'll bring both with me. And this, uh, this thing, of, of course we have to plan, we have to make reservations, and we have to think, you know, plan out the meals and the shopping and the whole thing. That's a different, that's, a, that's being in my life in this moment. Those are the things I have to do, you know, living in the, in the, in the real world. Like we have to make plans, but it's not about drifting off into some future idea of how my life is going to be, because I don't know. But there is the need to plan certain things. But, yeah. you know, and well, then it Trader Joe's might be closed when I get outside, you know. But then it, I just, the, the requirements then help to fertilize the project 
story. And so how to work with the, the necessity of actually having a good deal of that work without Yes. <laughs> okay. How do we manage both our expectations, our needs, our, our need to plan, and the reality of where we are in this moment, in this moment? All I have in this moment is my breath, sitting on the cushion. The cushion is not a place to be planning. That's not what it's for. When we get off the cushion, we say, okay, we've got to do the shopping. The next thing, the next thing, the next thing, put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. When we're doing that, we're actually in each moment, we're not planning. We're just one foot here, one foot, one foot, one foot. I got a somewhat different take on this. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, I don't go I think you need to, um, I think I need to hear it again. Sorry, I think I need to hear it again. There was the first, part, the first, the first piece about you saying, I, I'm not challenging. No, it is not a challenge, okay? It's a revelation of your ignorance. She asked him about tomorrow. Right. Maybe you don't know what she's doing there. I don't know, I don't know what she's doing. Right. But for me, in that moment, if I ask that stupid question, I would be revealing an ignorance, which is what I do, you know, in Dalai Lama, and that's the way I approach it. So it's a little bit different, I think. Uh huh. Hmm. No, um, I just, I actually, I feel rather sad that you use words like challenge and stupidity and well, ignorance. I'm picking up on you, you came up with challenge first. I mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying. I, Mm -hmm. I would be trying to say, well, look, I'm here mm -hmm. in this situation. Trying to, I, I'm totally ignorant. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm -hmm. That's how I might approach it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty well generally the way I, I am at those times. Yeah. The way you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Stay perfect in your ignorance and your stupidity and just keep not challenging them, keep challenging No, I mean, I just I want to point out that it's not, it's none of the above. It's, it's Harry just being totally who he is without these labels. This is how I do it. And, um, and you come into Dokusan and you do it beautifully. Do you do it like the next person or the person before you? No. You do it in your way. So you open yourself? Me or you? I don't know what you do. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so I open myself. I hope so. 
Give me something. Yes, 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 and yes. 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 My daddy's killing me, Joe. Mm-hmm. That would be my first action. <laughs> like, yeah, this is going to itch like crazy. I'll go and meditate. <laughs> so, also, I don't think it's about detaching. I think because we don't detach. You know, Zenke has, you know, her back is killing her. So how do I sit with this back that's, Aching, you know, in this moment. How do I sit with this itchy face and not detach? But really, you know, um, and it's very easy. I know when people say, "Well, you know, you you know, just notice the pain and come back to the breath, and notice the pain, and then notice the itch and come back to the breath." It's like, yeah, all right, but you don't have the pain that I have, you know. So, but it's it's not about um, creating suffering. Because the reality is, I'm sitting here and my face is itching, you know. And how do I? Can I sit with that without needing to detach or have a whole story around it? Can I sit with that or not? You know, if it becomes too uh, unbearable, then I'm going to go maybe wash it off my face or you know. For me, I have to change my position, you know. There comes a point where I just can't sit like that, you know. Um, and without beating myself up or this idea of detaching, because that sets something up. If I want to detach and then I'm still in it, then I'm not detached enough and I'm doing it wrong. I'm, I'm not doing it correctly because, you know, I'm still... <laughs> How can I be... Okay, this is what I did, you know. Maybe next time I won't put the itchy cream. And maybe next time I won't drink so much the night before. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I think I, you know, I have uh, 
I'm kind of envious that you can, I could never sit with a hangover. You know? um, it's great that you, you got here and you're sitting and, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, re I mean, really, thank you for touching into, you know, Zenke's, you know, her back is aching and you have your stuff going on right now. And how do we be with that? Is our that's our practice. How do I realize and be and sit? Like, yeah, maybe next time I won't do that. Your skin looks great, by the way. <laughs> Can I get the name of your <laughs> the cream? Eight three one three. That's the name of the brand. Uh, it's shrunk. It's like generic, secret French stuff. All right. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Thank you. Couple, one or two more, and then we're gonna have a break for lunch and then our afternoon program. Everyone's relaxed now. To what? To that that really is so that we fight the whole 30 minutes you spend trying to come back to I, noticing you're in it and coming back for a flash and then being in it and then being in it and then remembering for a moment. I know that's the practice. I'm told that's the practice. And that, but, but I think it is hard to actually know on a different level that that's getting me. So both of my knees are in ter incredible pain right now because, you know, I chose uh, because I have this ego thing not to sit on a stool even though, you know, my surgery, whatever, I probably you know, I shouldn't be sitting like this now anyway. Um, so both of my knees, so first of all, there I am in my ego, I can't sit on a stool. Then I'm sitting here, in my, I'm experiencing pain in both my knees, but actually I wasn't aware of it for a few moments until you started talking about how uncomfortable it is and how, you know, and then I was like, oh yeah, my knees are killing me, right? So I do get moments sitting of relief. I do get moments where I'm just in my breath, and I'm in this space of <coughs> zazen, right? And then I can come back to my physical pain. It's like, this doesn't feel great. And then I get caught up in all oh, this doesn't feel great. And what's that saying? What's the saying? Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. optional. Right, so it's like, I can be in the pain, like this is what I got right now, sitting. And it doesn't feel great, and maybe I'm going to have to move my leg. Or it's like, it's not so bad, it's okay. I can take, I can take, you know, when I first started meditating, the teacher would always say, just take one more breath, one more breath, one more breath before you move, one more breath before you scratch your nose. Just one more breath. 
and see if that one more breath, that one more breath can actually like take me away from what I'm focusing on. You know? I know someday, some, sometimes at the end of my uh, 30 minutes of zazen, when I can't move, I have, you know, you've seen me, I have to have somebody help me up because I've just like sat there and sat through it, which is not a good thing, but two sides to that coin. Sometimes it's beneficial, sometimes it's insanity. Why didn't I do something different? One more, Daniel. You spoke about the intimacy and sweetness between the teacher and the student. And I think where that comes up for me in the story is that she's talking about a great communal feast, I think 600 miles away. Wouldn't you want to go over there? And um, his lying down is like, the feast is right here between us. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that the, the communal feast. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, she had to travel not such a long distance, but some distance to get to him, and I feel like uh, it was so that they could have their moment of community together. Mm -hmm. um, and that feels so sweet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the distance between here and the Dokusan room is just as great. You know? Or it can be just as close, you know, whether she traveled 600 miles or 20 feet. You know, that's not the the most important thing was, the most important thing is that moment when they met. And she tested him. That's that one moment of intimacy. And then it was like, boom, I'll just lie down. Now that could have been taken as an insult to her, but because of their relationship, or my perception of this koan, I may be totally wrong, but my perception is that he lay down, it's like, I can do this. I'm actually at freedom, I have the freedom to just lay down in front of Grindstone Lou. And she'll get it. And that's when she immediately left. She's like, yeah. She probably you know, bowed and, and walked out of the room. So I think it's a beautiful story. Okay, we good? <sighs> All right. Yes. I think you just invited the, the question, and I don't know if I'm the only one, but if you hadn't editorialized the koan, and I was the student, and my teacher called me a cow, and then I maybe felt awkward and asked a question that was, you know, maybe I shouldn't, and then he goes to sleep. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure I feel that sweet. <laughs> And so, but in context with what, what you're saying, that they're, they've had a relationship, they're close, he feels comfortable being who he is, and she is testing him, it all makes sense. But I mean, just if I were just sitting down reading that hidden lamp passage, I'd think, oh my gosh, that's awkward. Mm -hmm. I, I just, just saying. <laughs> just saying. So I think, um, when we have a little um, knowledge of Zen practice and the teachings and the koans and the beautiful sutras, this happens a lot. And usually, or 99% of the time, it's a term of endearment. You know, the teacher may say, get out, stupid bag of shit. You know, you old skin bag, or they'll smack them on the, the shoulder, you know, with the stick. And that moment, 
wakes them up. So it's more often than not that it's, it's a teaching moment. It's not, um, it's not meant to uh, denigrate the other person. And so this, you know, and here, because the, the history behind it is that they had, she was his teach, he was her teacher, so we know that he's not going to say, you old cow, like something out of Little Britain. She's a cow. <laughs> it's more like, you old cow, come on in. You know? So it's, I see it as a term of endearment. And this, as I said, in, in, the, in, this, right, in this tradition of Zen koans, you'll often hear that, something like that. It's like, oh, okay. But I wouldn't call somebody an old cow in here today. <laughs> Koshin calls you old cow. Delighted. <laughs> I wouldn't be so delighted. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's. One more. I did say I was going to follow on, on Ruth's question. You know, if um, the question were answered something like, there's no place I'd rather be. And the story ended and they sat smiling. Like, why wouldn't that be a good answer? Like, the, like revision or something. Like, why would that not be the story? You know what I mean? <laughs> when you say there's no place I'd rather be, you're saying that Kweishan would Rather, would like to be up the mountain, or no, like wants no, to be right here. Now, yeah. this is, there's nowhere else I would rather be than with you. But that's exactly what he's doing. Well, he's doing it, but does, does the story have to show it instead of, you know, make it easier to get? Yeah, because remember, <laughs> these koans are teaching. They're, they're, they want you to think. Okay. They want you to think beyond conceptual ideas and idea. You know, they want you to like. So. What was it about him just laying down? So there are a couple of things going on. The mountain is right here. The pot is right here. There's no place I'd rather be than right here. And how do, you, how do they show that without words? It's, so it's, with, it's beyond, as with a lot of these columns, it's beyond language. It's just. I think it's actually a beautiful koan. It shows you know, the, their relationship. All right. 